KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Aldine here at KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. This is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists. Community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. <laughs> Thanks for plugging into your community tonight. And joining me, as always, is Laura Jones here in the studio. Hey, Aldine. <clears throat> what is going on in your yard right now? Or is it more in the, the kitchen where you're cooking up stuff that you grew all year? The yard is frosty looking. Yeah. Every morning when I get up, and <laughs> I think I have one thing covered out there yeah. still, and it's a... Rainforest pepper plant that I wanted the the pods to get as red as they could on, and some of them have, and I'm sure they're falling off now. And I'll be plucking them off when on a warm day. But uh, that's it yeah. in the kitchen. Quince poaching quince today. I saw you putting up some pears or something like that. There was pears. I tried to put up some pears. I'm not sure the how, way they tasted, if I liked it or not. Oh, okay. Yeah. Might have to get some folks in over the winter for some tips on that. In the meantime, what's on the show tonight, Punk Rock Farmer? On the show tonight, Dave John is with us, and he's here in the studio. He's the, one of the co-hosts of Living the Circle of Life, and it's um, un-Thanksgiving. That's un-Thanksgiving? Right. Yeah. Tomorrow, right, Dave? Yeah, it's kind of like a pre-on-Thanksgiving cooking or meal. Very good. And we'll find out the details on that. Urban Farm Report, Heather Peters is with us, and Robin M. from Twig and Branch. And they have a pop-up market coming tomorrow, and it's at the farm. It's it's at the mysterious farm that's behind the 7-Eleven that you'd never, never know it's there. And so that's a good reason to go just just because of that. And uh, we'll talk about the – we have a couple of the vendors, and we'll talk about what's going on with that. All right. Also a story about a Navajo seed keeper thanks to our partnership, our new partnership, with the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition. So stick around for that. Skywatcher Leo T. observed the launch of Artemis earlier this week. In the meantime, let's get started where we always start with some fresh and homegrown music, shall we, Aldine? Yes, we shall. And today is Teenage Angst Day here in the studio, <laughs> and we have Portress with us. How are you guys doing over there? We're doing very well. How about you guys? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being on time. Thanks for, Thanks for not saying any swear words. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Derek uh, on vocals. Derek, why don't you introduce the band? Um, so this is Marcus on guitar. Uh, uh, this is Caleb on bass, and then Lukey on drums, Shane on other guitar, and yeah, I'm Derek. And the first song is Permanence. What's, what's, give us a little background on this one. On Permanence? This one has a funny story. Uh, I wrote, like, the breakdown is a total joke. Like, I think it was about a year ago, and, uh, I really liked it, and, um, Marcus really liked it, and he wanted to put it into a song, so we decided to put it into a song. So this, the breakdown of this was a joke, but then we started taking it more seriously. So Okay, well, here you go. This is Permanence, and it's Portraits here, live in the studio, fresh and homegrown, KRCL 90.9 FM.
love. It's like they're running away from me as fast as they possibly can. And I always wish things to be exactly how they used to be. I miss every aspect of who I was. Am I doing something wrong? I'm lost and I'm confused. But I guess that's just who I am. Support for KRCL comes from the Utah Farm and Food Conference, January 12th to 14th in Cedar City, where more than 200 attendees will gather to learn and network about the agrihood, from small to urban farms and artisan producers to those who support them. For tickets and conference schedule, visit utahfarmconference.org. Many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here. On Tuesday night, November 15, NASA counted down to liftoff of Artemis 1 and a liquid hydrogen leak is detected. The red team sprung into action, torqued down the nuts, and stopped the leak. Then... GLS go for core stage to internal power. The count continues. One minute. Shortly after liftoff, one minute. Mission Control Houston will take control of the rocket. And my colleague, Leah Cheshire, will take over commentary. T-minus 50 seconds and counting. We're going to launch. Coming up at T-minus 33 seconds, the GLS will hand off control to the ALS. This is the autonomous launch sequencer. On board the rocket, it will take over command and control of the rocket. But the ALS will check, make sure there's no holds coming from the ground up until T-minus 2 seconds. GLS, go for ALS. And we are go for ALS. The space launch system is now counting down to liftoff of Orion on its maiden voyage to the moon. Sound suppressor water now flowing 15. under the ML. And here we go. 10. Hydrogen burnoff igniters initiate. 7, 6, 5, 4 stage engines start. 3, 2, 1. Boosters in ignition. And liftoff of Artemis 1. We rise together back to the moon and beyond. All four RS-25 engines on the core stage and two solid rocket boosters now propelling the vehicle at 128 miles per hour. Hearing good, con good control on the roll from teams in Mission Control Houston. All good calls so far. Now 30 seconds into the flight of Artemis 1. First milestone will be for the vehicle to pass through max Q at about 1 minute and 9 seconds into launch. This is the greatest period of atmospheric force on the rocket. 
traveling 607 miles per hour. traveling at 1,420 miles per hour. The four core stage engines are back at maximum thrust. The next major milestone will be for the solid rocket boosters to cut off and jettison about two minutes and 11 seconds into the flight, so about 30 seconds from now. Standing by for solid rocket booster jettison and shortly thereafter, confirmation that the solid rocket boosters have separated these 177-foot boosters. Now the core stage continues to power the flight of Orion, all four RS-25 engines firing, traveling over 3,400 miles per hour, 46 miles downrange. Artemis is the twin sister of Apollo. With staging about 90 minutes after launch, the rocket's upper stage successfully thrust the Orion capsule out of Earth orbit and on its trajectory to the moon. Orion will spend the next six days flying toward the moon. Next Monday, the 21st, after traveling through the void, Orion will close in on the moon and perform its lowest lunar pass, flying within about 60 miles of the lunar surface, engaging orbital mechanics, utilizing the moon's gravity to slingshot Orion back out. The service module will then perform a second burn at T plus 10, November 28th, and Orion will break the record set by Apollo 13 for a crew-rated vehicle's greatest distance from Earth, reaching nearly 300,000 miles from Earth, 40,000 miles from the Moon, and looping back to Earth after 25 days and splash down at sea on December 11th. The spacecraft will also release 10 miniaturized science satellites called CubeSats, including one designed to map ice deposits on the Moon's south pole where Artemis seeks to eventually land astronauts. The CubeSats are the work of Space Dynamics Laboratory at the Utah State University campus, known for its work on spacecraft imaging and other space engineering accomplishments. Stay tuned for more in space and the continuing saga of Artemis 1 as we look up, look around, and get just a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Oh, thank you, Leo. And that launch, woof, we're going back to the moon, Aldine, and... Uh, Humans next is from what I understand. Man, I remember that big time. I was like eight or nine. Oh, yeah? That was the big wonder thing. Well, it's going to happen again, folks. Skywatcher Leo T. You can follow him on Facebook and a link in tonight's show notes. Rallies and resources time. Don't forget, Farmer's Market tomorrow at the Gateway. But there's also something going on that uh, folks could help with in the community, Aldine. The... The pop-up market. Not the pandas <laughs> and the Dave, hours. Dave John's with us, the, and he's feeding folks. And you, you're going to feed folks all through the winter, Dave. Well, we've been doing it all year round on Saturdays. Uh, when we first started, um, yeah, it was uh, out of uh, Camp Last Hope. And, yeah, I think I started, like, in November, you know, just kind of helping out uh, the chef that was there, uh, R.J., and then, yeah, later on, uh, asked Pandos if they want to sponsor a breakfast. And so they did. So we cooked a breakfast. And, and then after that, yeah, I just invested in a camp chef and a three burner and started bringing that. Because usually a lot of their stuff would go missing the next day. <laughs> you uh -huh. know? So, but, yeah, 
uh still got that camp chef yeah it's kind of aging already you know <laughs> but yeah uh so tomorrow uh well every saturday uh we do a feeding and usually it's uh whatever people donate so we have uh anywhere from chicken alfredo spaghetti pozole fry bread but tomorrow we're doing uh indian tacos and pandos which is a peaceful advocate for native dialogue and organizing support uh they're sponsoring uh the feed tomorrow so we're doing uh indian tacos if they were all navajos then i would say navajo tacos but there's a mix so (laughs) So you find a lot of uh as you say when you start the show on living the circle of life good morning relatives you find a lot of relatives on the street oh yeah community yeah and you know it's it's just not just natives i mean it's all all races and yeah it's kind of a sad thing but you know at least it seems like they know that you know we feed there every saturday Uh, usually we start setting up at noontime and i start cooking while everybody else is setting up you know the tables and you know then people are also prepping what we're going to cook that day and yeah so usually maybe an hour and a half to two hours you know we really start serving food and mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's uh yeah it's going pretty good and that group i started it's called uh, ours which is uh our on shelter relatives and yeah so yeah it only seemed like it's been a year but one of the ladies that helped me, yeah, she was saying, no, it's been two years. Yeah, you started in the heart of COVID, didn't you? Oh, yeah, in, um, was it, 2020. Yeah. And, yeah, we'd just been cooking because after uh, Camp Last Hope got pushed, um, yeah, I still cooked. Um, we had uh, the murals camp, which was, which was um, between 800 and 900 south. Uh, we were set up on 400 West. Uh, we had the mountain camp. Uh, we had the Lowe's camp and uh, the Jordan camp. So we had like about five places to, you know, cook. And we had the numbers to feed. But with all the pushes and stuff, um, you know, it's not worth setting up the kitchen just for like 25 people. So that's why we set up at the island is because that's where majority are now. It's where folks we're congregating because the road home shelter used to be down there. So we're yeah. talking fifth west between third and fourth south. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the Wiggins is right there. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, so there's a lot of people on fourth west, um, the island. And, yeah, so we set up on the island. And, yeah, I guess people know we're there because some, sometimes we might have something going on and we're not there. But the next week we hear about it. You know, <laughs> where they're were like, you? Yeah, they're like, where were you? I was waiting 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you know. <laughs> but it's good that, you know, they come and help. And even it's nice, too, because when they see us pull up, you know, they start helping us unload and setting up and stuff. And we even some of them, you know, will ask you know, to help either prepping or serving. And so that's a good thing that, you know, they're getting involved too. And, mm. and you can see the difference too where, you know, it's they want to be noticed. And I think it's a lot nicer too is when, you know, they can actually help, you know, prepare mm. the food. But then too, deep down, I think it's just because they know the faster we set up, the faster they get to eat. (laughs) If they help. It's turning really cold tonight, as we've all experienced coming in to do do the show. And so tomorrow at noon, hopefully it'll be 
It'll be warmer. But what do you still need? You got enough to do the Indian tacos? Um, yeah, Pandos will be sponsoring it. But we're also doing like um, uh, a supply uh, run or donations and stuff. So we put out a list. Um, so what we put on the list is kind of like a wish list, you know, mostly a lot of winter stuff because uh, with the cold weather's coming, you know, they need jackets, uh, wool socks, uh, hats, um, and then even, you know, tents, sleeping bags, blankets, and even hygiene kits, you know. So there's a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of stuff we take for granted, you know. Uh, they could use them there, too, because they usually do, like, these little survival kits and stuff like that. So, so it's a rallying point tomorrow at noon. If folks want to come down and help cook or bring some items like you're talking about. Yeah, and usually our schedules, usually um, we load up, you know, at the storage at 11, 15 a.m. And then we go to the site, uh, which is um, 300. Well, it's kind of like a 350-ish south. south. (laughs) And 5th West, right? And 5th West. And if you know that street, you know, you know, there's a northbound and a southbound and you got that island in the middle. So that's why we call it the island. Mm-hmm. And so we get there about noontime. Uh, we start setting up, um, prepping kind of at the same time. And then usually around four, you know, we start cleaning up. Um, then five o'clock, you know, we try to get back to the storage and, lo- and unload. But yeah, usually we would make... Um, to go trays because you know we would feed the area then when we kind of knew we fed everybody in that area we make these to go trays and they deliver them to the smaller camps but i mean we haven't well we did some to go trays but we haven't delivered because people would just keep on coming by when we were just cleaning up and stuff and so at the end of the day you know yeah we run out of food and but we still have people you know, coming okay. by. You've got a website where folks can go check out what you're doing and also get the rundown when you're having these uh, feedings, as you call them. There's one tomorrow at noon at the island, and you can uh, also donate through that website, I take it? Yeah, there. And uh, also, I'll post like a menu of what we're going to be cooking that Saturday. So it's uh, with Sign Up Genius. So if you want to donate a food item, uh, you can fill out that spot and then, you know, bring it to our location at noontime. Well, Dave, thanks so much for all you do in our community. And you actually came in with something else you wanted to shout out to Oh, uh, yeah. After this, I'm going to go play some bingo. So <laughs> hopefully I get lucky. But what's nice, um, uh, every third uh, Friday of the month, uh, Matrons of Mayhem usually sponsor a bingo. And they they always do fundraising for some 501c um, organization but tonight uh, they're uh, doing the fundraiser for the homeless uh, youth resource center and so I don't know it kind of ties in with what I do too so you know because we get youth out there on the streets too that we feed also Mm -hmm. so so this is tonight seven o'clock where oh at uh, the first baptist church uh, 77 south 13th east Uh, but yeah you need to get there early because the tables get full and then, you know, <laughs> you, you, you get turned away. Uh, <laughs> well, Dave, thanks so much uh, for all you do in the community and for living the circle of life on KRCL. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on.
absolutely. And now I've got a story to share from our friends at the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition. A Navajo or Diné seed keeper is preserving and sharing the foods of his ancestors with customers online and more than 13,000 followers on Twitter, Al. And it all started with the blue corn stalks that he grows on his farm in Shiprock, New Mexico. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Clark Adamitis of KSUT and KSJD visited him to learn more earlier this fall. Yeah, this is, I've only seen two of these. Where the stalks, like, are entirely purple. This is, like, very rare. In Shiprock, New Mexico, on a rainy day with slippery clay earth caking our boots, Graham Bial takes me on a tour of his four-acre cornfield where he lives and works. The iconic mile-tall Shiprock is obscured by the clouds, but Bial's blue corn stalks are impressive, standing 12 feet high. I was actually going to be picking today, but with the rain, I'm probably just going to wait for a while. So what we'll do is pick out on the field, and then over at the corner, kind of where you came in, there's like a drying rack. And so that's what we put all the corn on, and it just kind of sits there for a couple of days until it's fully dry. From that, then we'll take it off, taking the kernels off of the cob. The corn stalks that Bial is growing have a legacy in the Navajo tradition. His blue corn was given to him by an elder and has been passed down for many generations. Bial works every day to preserve his ancestor's legacy by growing and sharing the crops. One of my grandpas, I remember we were walking around and we went into the cornfield and he goes in there and he picks a corn. He said, you can grow a whole field from this. And this is like thousands of years in this corn and now it's yours. So I have couple of seeds, you know, been given to me by different elders, different mentors, and different people in the community. He shows me a bunch of glass jars with colorful seeds in each one. So yeah, this is uh, some of the seeds, bean seeds, to uh, sugarcane seeds, watermelon seeds, to oats, and then all different kinds of like corn. The main staple that I focus on is blue corn. During the pandemic, he started selling his blue corn kernels online with a modest sales goal. Kind of just started off, I have 12 jars of blue corn. Would anyone be interested in buying? The response from that was like phenomenal. Like within minutes, all of them were sold. So I was like, okay, there's a market there. That was three years ago. Now he's selling more products online and connects with a bigger audience through over 13,000 Twitter followers. His posts often go viral when he shares native recipes. It's not necessarily trying to be an influencer. I'm communicating to people in a, in a vast, broad way. It kind of enables me to have a bigger voice. Bial is part of a growing community of indigenous social media influencers. Dr. Elizabeth Hoover, a professor of Native American environmental health at UC Berkeley, says social media is an important connector for Native seed keepers. Being able to see, like, oh, actually, there's people all over the country who are doing that, who are also growing these beautiful seeds, has been encouraging for people. Many of these seeds are incredibly beautiful, right? They're really colorful, and they've got different patterns on them than a lot of conventional seed varieties you might pick up. Um, these platforms lend themselves to kind of showcasing how beautiful these seeds are. According to Hoover, cultural ancestry and community health go hand in hand with seed keeping. If you want to eat healthy, you could just plant a bunch of kale or something that maybe you don't necessarily have a cultural connection to. I think people want to eat healthy, you know, for their physical health, but they also want to promote 
cultural health and spiritual health through having access to these foods. According to the CDC, Native Americans have a greater chance of having type 2 diabetes than any other U.S. racial group. Bial says that the COVID-19 pandemic revealed some alarming health trends in Native communities. With the pandemic, it really exposed a lot of deficiencies and, and COVID really attacked people with underlying conditions. We as Native Americans struggle a lot. Back under the tarp at Bial's farm with rain still coming down, he gazes out at his cornfield. Jars of colorful seeds sit on the table in front of him. We fundamentally had a relationship with the fresh foods, the healthy foods, the seeds that we carried. And in a way, we've kind of detached ourselves from that. But Bial has reconnected with these foods. He's excited to continue sharing his crops through harvest season and hopes to reach an even wider audience in his fourth year of seed keeping. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. Thanks, Clark. That story shared with us via the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah, including now KRCL, Aldine. Pretty cool, huh? Really cool stuff. We're going to have to see if we can uh, get Clark up here uh, to tell some more stories, but also maybe connect with uh, this Navajo Diné seed keeper and uh, connect him with Living the Circle of Life, too. Very good stuff. All right, time for some more fresh and homegrown music. Going back to our live studio with Portraits. Hey, Portraits. How's it going, you guys? So tell me a little bit about the history of the band. How long have you guys been together, and how did you guys meet? So we formed in December of last year. Um, Marcus, we had an old drummer and a different bassist. Um, and uh, we all met. We all just knew each other through school. And uh, as we got more serious, our old band members kind of like went and did their own thing. And then we got people that were more serious about this band. Ain't that the way? No. Nope. We, we haven't been a band for a year, I think. Uh, yeah, December is our year. So you, you guys have a couple gigs coming up, uh, 29th of November and uh, the December 30th. You're at the Beehive on the 29th, and it's a benefit. It is a benefit. Tell so folks about it. It's a benefit for the displaced uh, families of Rose Park, and it's awesome that the community is able to come together uh, for such a great cause. And it's a long list of bands for this one. It is. I think it's uh, eight or nine bands. Wow. Yeah, all wonderful bands, all great Awesome people. Very good stuff. Um, and the one on the 30th, the Paper Cut Party Farewell Show at Kilby Court. Kilby Court, yes. So Lukey, our drummer, he was in a band called Paper Cut Party, and they broke up, and um, they played a last. They played their last show in, like, June, but it, I think they thought it was underwhelming or something like that. <laughs> they wanted to get, like, a final goodbye, so they're doing one last, uh, one last good show there. So, yeah. And then all the opening bands for that are previous members of Paper Cut Party. It's their new projects. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. Good. It's going to be awesome. Good stuff. The next song is called Conditional. You want to tell me about it? I don't. There's not much to talk about with Conditional. Okay. Conditional is it's conditional. It's a, it's a fast one. It's a fun one. Okay, good. This one here is Conditional, and it's Portress Fresh and Homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL is turning 43, and we're inviting you to come out and celebrate the station's anniversary with us at our first ever Holiday Soul Party on December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room in Salt Lake City. KRCL DJs, photo booth, food truck, and live music with Ryan Innes, AM Bump, and the Omega Horns, with a special VIP soul set with me, eBay Hamilton. So come on out and celebrate 43 years of community radio with a night full of feel-good soul music and all your favorite radio friends here at KRCL. That's Saturday, December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room. Get your tickets now at krcl.org. Hope to see you at our 43rd birthday bash, Aldine. It's going to be good. 43. I know, right? Okay, this is Radioactive Punk Rock Farmer Friday with Aldine Strict 9 and me, Laura Jones. But coming up at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman and crew. They've been in Egypt all week for COP27. Uh, at 8, not a sideshow, Circus Brown. Friday Night Fallout with Keith at 10.30. Get your liquid rhythms with Ken Barola at 1.00. Saturday Breakfast Jam with Shanley at 7, and then John Florence is back for Saturday Sagebrush Serenade at 10. You know, Al, if you miss any of the shows for the next two weeks, they're available on demand at our website, krcl.org. I bet you knew that because we say I it every week. <laughs> we say it every week. <laughs> um, hey, before we get going here, uh, folks that want to play on the show or want to share their uh, agrihood story on the show, how can they get in touch? You know, the best way these days is Instagram for me, Punk Rock Farmer with little underscores between the words. Um, and my email is punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com. Okay, cool event happening tomorrow at Crest Farms. Very cool event, pop-up market, and, um, you know, it's right close to Thanksgiving. Heather Peters is with us from Souls to Spices. How are you doing, Heather? I am good. How are you? I'm so good. It's so great to have you here. You know, we've kind of... We've grown better, better friends through the years, and you guys even let me grow some tomatoes over at the space this year. That was pretty cool. Try to. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't the best year for that. We we don't need to dwell on that too much. Let's <laughs> let's <laughs> let's go for what's going on tomorrow, and um, what's the idea behind the whole thing? And I know you're giving folks a chance that maybe haven't tabled as much, and to tell me about it. Yeah, well, so I actually kind of felt a little inspired by Rob and M, who are going to be on here in just a minute. They did something like this in the spring, in May or sometime at their property. And I went as a guest and sold my spices, my husband and I spices. <laughs> um, and it turned out really well. It was It was very successful and fun. And so I thought, you know, Crest Farm is such a special space. And we've been um, 
toying with how best to involve the community in that space while still respecting the property owner. Right. Um, so we're hoping this is a good balance, this market that we're doing tomorrow from 11 to 2. Um, we've invited people that we've, some that we've been at the farmer's market with for 15 years. So they're pros at this, you know. Um, and then we have several that have never sold their product before. So this is like their debut. And so it's a great mix. Yeah. And they're they're so excited and have worked so hard just to get ready for this. You know, all the behind the scenes stuff that we don't notice where you have to take a picture of your product and you have to make a label for your product. And then you have to have a website and an Instagram page. And that doesn't sound too complicated but it just takes time mm -hmm. and making all of those decisions are it's hard um, and so this gives people a deadline you know you have to have all that stuff done before your first market and mm -hmm. then once you do that first market it gets easier and you kind of hold the reins on that position in your organization in Solstice Spices you're the one behind the scenes that's taking the picture and doing the Instagram right I am yes <laughs> Tony's the brawn and you are the brains let's say <laughs> well I I do have to say Tony is one of the smartest people I've ever known in my entire life so I think that's why I fell in love with him but <laughs> he um he, yeah, he doesn't like making phone calls. He doesn't like typing on the computer. You know, that's all the stuff that, that I do behind the scenes. So, But we make a good team. You know, uh, Laura and I got to enjoy the fall harvest dinner over there at the yeah. farm. And what an amazing space. Like you said, it's Hidden a very, gym. very special place. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know it was there. It's like you drove... Everybody in the city has drove by it a million times, probably. If yeah. you've gone up and down 7th East a few times, you've driven right by this four-acre plot and mm -hmm. not know it's there. It's yeah. very hidden from the street. Worked yes. very hard also to save it. We Tell me, remind me the name of the family that owns the land and the woman that's been on with us before. Bonnie Cavill. That's right. Right, Bonnie. Um, she is the granddaughter of the original property mm -hmm. owner. Um, they have a family deal. Uh, she promised her father, you know, as he was getting older, um, he, he gave her the choice. He said, you know, it, we'd like to keep the space green, but it's not easy to keep the space green. And if you don't think you can do it, I understand. And she said, no, Dad, I promise I will keep yeah. it green. So she, she has made that promise, and her daughter has also committed to that promise um, and the reason that it's important is because and this is just a fantastic property right in the middle of the busiest place in our valley. Um, we have pristine, clean well water, ab abundant. We can use year-round. Um, you know, I, I just hate to see that go away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. She's fought back City Hall as it as it is at least once. Yeah. And uh, uh, we'll spread the word if the need arises again. But this pop-up tomorrow, Al, has got a bunch of different folks. And uh, why don't you introduce the guests that you've asked to join us here, Heather? Yeah, so Robin M. Um, Twig and Branch Gardens. 
And we met them at Murray Park Farmers Market, I think about three years ago. Um, and they are just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. Um, they came up to us and started asking questions right from the get-go. And so we've just really enjoyed getting to know them. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? N- doing doing pretty well tonight, even though it's so cold. And M, if she can get the baby down, is going to join us, right? That's correct. Yes, she <laughs> seems to not be a fan of radio. <laughs> <laughs> or rather, she knew exactly when the radio was on. That's therefore. true. Yeah. Um, so, microgreens, right? Yeah, so uh, that's what we started out with. It was It was basically a challenge of figuring out how uh, M and I could enter into a farming industry that, uh, you know, isn't too friendly for people that don't have property uh, already. So microgreens were an easy thing for us to do indoors uh, in, in our own space. And now we, we do farm on a, a property in Mill Creek, actually, uh, about a quarter to a half mile away from Heather, actually. We're right on 7th East as well in a backyard. You would never know we were there either. And uh, so, but tomorrow we'll be there with uh, with just microgreens, considering the cold temperatures have really put a damper on uh, a lot of what we've been growing. You know, Robert, um, I think I met you guys, I think it's been two years ago at the downtown farmer's market. And we've talked a little bit through the years, just a little bit, and asked you to come on the show. And, you know, we're doing it by Zoom, but you're here with us. I'm really happy. Yeah, hopefully, uh, we're, we're really excited to be here. Hopefully, I'm not too delayed. It sounds as if I am slightly, but hopefully you guys can hear me okay. And uh, we're we're really excited to attend the pop-up uh, tomorrow, like Heather said. I, I believe it's 11 to 2 at, at the, her farm, Crest Farms, and uh, we'll, we'll be there with full force, about six different varieties of microgreens. And for people that don't know what those are, they're basically a sprout you age for a few days longer uh so they have a little bit of uh, leafy greens on them and harvest them and they're they're extremely good for you and we love them and our customers love them as well we we sell them uh, in a subscription service as well as pickups and at a local store called water and wellness in mill creek where people can buy them at a, at a out of a fridge fresh each week so we really love it um we, we've outgrown the space we're currently farming in so we're on the hunt for property, uh, backyards, and and the like. So, uh, yeah, we're we're really interested in growing our business and, and staying in the valley and staying in the urban areas uh, because we we've really learned to love the people that we get to meet and the you know the philosophy of growing food uh, on one of the busiest streets in the state. We love it. It's very punk rock. Growing organic, yeah, a wonderful yeah. food on on in the middle of the city in the most densely popu- populated places. Um, who'd have thought? Very good stuff. You know, um, I know you and your wife are from, let's say, a younger generation than I am. That's for sure. <laughs> Me too. And and even Heather says says that. Where'd you guys get the bug to start farming? You know. It, uh, we- we have to give thanks, I guess, to the pandemic in some way. We both had jobs uh, that were severely impacted by the pandemic, and we ended up um, signing up for a couple of uh, garden plots on, in 2020 uh, in Davis County, and we grew way too much food and, and realized that, like, 
that it made sense for us to try to at least give it away. If not, if we could sell it, that would be great. But uh, and, and we thought, oh, this might this might be a thing that works. This might actually work. And so we started basically doing what I think people in our generation do, which is you use YouTube to figure out how to grow a business. And we figured out how to, uh, you know, ask people if they would be interested in letting us use their space. And that, that really is primarily the only reason we can uh, be a successful business as it is right now because of the cost of property. It really requires people who are interested in what we're doing, uh, interested in, in providing a space for someone else to grow food. And there are a bunch of, bunch of uh, farms that operate like this, and we're just really excited to be able to participate in the farming industry, uh, considering the, the amount of difficulty that seems to be presented to farmers nowadays. This urban farming is such a unique solution to a bunch of the problems, and, and borrowing property is such a, a, a good solution as well. So we really love it. Maybe we can reach out to listeners, folks out there. Maybe you have a spot in your backyard. Maybe you really would love to see something green growing there and some food and maybe partake in some of that food and, uh, and, and enable these folks to grow some food for more people here. And I think that's, you know, the best food is grown by our local farmers here, and it comes from right here around the corner. It doesn't come, like I say, as from the supermarket. <laughs> so, folks, the word has been put out. You can always reach out to Al, punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com if you're interested and he'll connect you. But, uh, Rob, you're able to grow these microgreens in this chilly weather. So what do you have? Do you have, like, a greenhouse? Are you doing it under grow lights? What are you doing? Give us some tips if we'd like to yeah. try it ourselves. Yeah, you know, so they're, they're surprisingly uh, it's surprisingly easy to get into. It does take a little bit of trial and error. People who say they don't have a green thumb, I think it's it's – Purely, they're uninterested in. You just have to kill enough plants to get <laughs> one to survive. I think that's the secret. So get, you know, we, we just exactly, yeah. So we grow indoors under lights uh, on on racks that you would find at Costco or Home Depot, and LED lights that you would find in your garage or uh, in a warehouse. So very, very simple, low startup costs. Uh, and the, the, one of the best things about microgreens is they're, they're kind of a value-added product. So we harvest and package them, and that, that gives us the ability to sell them for a little bit more than we would if it was a vegetable coming out of the ground. And we get to, uh, you know, not only are they extremely good for you, but, um, yeah, we grow them actually, you know, in our, in our home, in a, in a room dedicated to growing and um, the startup cost was so low that it made sense as the first thing for us to get into, considering uh, we needed to figure out how to make some money to be able to afford tools and equipment and seed uh, to start our outdoor urban farm. So the microgreens were really an interesting niche product that starting to become more and more popular. People will see them at restaurants a lot of the time, but we, you know, I eat a sandwich every day with sunflower shoots on it or sugar snap pea shoots or radishes and it adds complex flavors to the, the to the dish and gives you a bunch of different vitamin mixtures uh as well so we've really you know the microgreens have been a, a really foundational part of our business and we we really am grateful for what the internet has been able to offer to us as, as a small business because you know it broke down these barriers of knowledge that 
you know, we wouldn't maybe have been able to access without it. So it's been it's been pretty awesome. Well, and Rob, you get some green in your house through these cold winter months, right? That's got to be a nice pick. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting advantage uh, of growing indoors and, you know, an interesting food storage solution. Uh, if you're able to maintain power to power the lights, you could have food in about nine to ten days, uh, extremely dense nutritional food uh, in, in any type of an emergency. So it, it really is a... You know, it's kind of a lifesaver when we're dealing with temperatures like we deal with here and, and snow loads like we deal with here in, in the Salt Lake Valley that, uh, yeah, we're, we're, you know, and as an urban farm, if you don't have the ability to heat your greenhouse or heat your polytunnel, there's really not a whole lot you can grow outdoors in, in you know, Utah during these winter months. So it really is a, an awesome uh, crop for us to be able to maintain throughout the, throughout the year. True tales from the agri-hood, Al. Very good stuff. Um, thanks so much, Rob. Thanks for being with us. I'm going to talk to Heather a little bit about what they do at uh, with their with their company. What do you guys uh, tell folks what you got going on, Heather? I know you guys make spice blends, but this year you came out with some some bags of specific spices and a few things. But tell folks about um, where it comes from and uh, Tony and how how it comes together. Tony was an amazing chef. An amazing chef. The dinner we went to was top notch. Yeah, that was earlier at the end of the growing season. But tomorrow, what's going to be on offer from Solstice Spices? Yeah, well, um, we have our spice blends, which we've had for, I I think we're going on 10 years now, Um, which are all made from, well, mostly Tony grows most of it himself now. We started out um, using a lot of other farmers' produce, but... He's at the point now where he's growing pretty much all of it. It's like rose hips and chamomile and things like that too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we have chamomile tea coming out, and it's delicious. So um, I've been drinking it at night instead of having a glass of wine once in a while. <laughs> so that's good. Um, but yeah, everything. I mean, he just works his heart out, and he, you know. Both of us have poured our soul into this. So um, <clears throat> it's not that we just make a product. You know, it's our life. Um, so anyway, I think many people are familiar with our spices. We will have those. We'll have some tea. We have these new um, smaller packets of spices or dried herbs. Um, and potentially we'll have some fresh herbs and some beets and radishes as well. Ooh, still so some stuff. Definitely a good time because we're all going to be cooking in the next weeks to come, next a little bit. There's a lot of cooking around the holidays, and spicing it up is probably definitely the right idea in my kitchen for sure. Mm, I know Mountain Man is one of my favorite ones, mm. and I really love uh, my BBF, Mary. And um, For the Birds is also another one that I really, really like. These are spice blends. These are the blends, yes. I was following your Instagram, and you were profiling all the folks that are going to be there tomorrow at the Crest Farms pop-up. Yeah. Um, It it really is just, I think Rob hit hit it on the head. Um, Farmers markets are community, and we have the best community. And you two are a huge part of that so thank you for that right, um, back at you thank you so um you know 
we have the greatest friends at the farmer's market and we aren't all from the same backgrounds and we aren't all of the same political point of view, but we love each other and that's what it's about. So we've picked some of our favorites um, and of course not all of our favorites could make it. So we're not excluding anybody, but uh, we think it's a good selection of different varieties of things. Um, and people, again, who like us have really just given their heart to, yeah. to what they're doing. Shopping local, Al, for yeah. sure, at this pop-up market. Definitely. All right, so again, the who, what, when, where, why of tomorrow and a website or social where folks can catch up with you. Yeah, so tomorrow, November 19th, 11 to 2, Crest Farm is 3348 South Scott Court. And best thing to do is follow me on Instagram at Solstice Spices. All right. And Rob, give us the website or social for Twig and Branch for you and your, your wife, Em. Yes. I, uh, I apologize. I'm, I'm, I do Amazon delivery. I'm, I'm out on the road, so it might be a little loud. I hope you can hear me. That's okay. Twig and Branch Gardens on Instagram uh, and twigandbranchgardens.com. Uh, and it, like like you said, if anyone is interested in letting us borrow some land, we'd love to turn it into a more productive space than, uh, than grass. So thank you so much for having us on. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. See you tomorrow. And we'll put all that in the show notes. But, you know, we've done this before. We've, we've connected someone who's been on the show, small farmer looking for a new place or a new plot of land that they could maybe borrow or grow on. So, folks, you can reach out to Al Dine, and that email is again. It's at punkrockfarmer23 at gmail.com or on Instagram. So is this going to be the uh, only pop-up for the non-growing season at Crest Farms, you think? Or maybe something in the new year? Yeah, we're we're... If this goes well, I think we're going to do this again, probably in the early summer, late spring. Okay, that sounds good because it is a great way for new folks that are trying things. I was looking at the Instagram, Al, and it's beautiful always to look at, but you're very encouraging to new entrepreneurs, new agrihood entrepreneurs um, related. Like there's a, um, a hand balm. I can't remember who it is. Yeah. Do you remember who I'm talking about? Yes. My friend Michelle makes salves um, with all local herbs and flowers. And then my other friend Carrie makes <clears throat> hand creams and balms. And One is passion so, flower? Passion flower, yes. And she really has been working so hard on this. I, I, I just, you know, I, I hope she... I hope she has a great day tomorrow and it's a big, you know, relief off of her for like getting through that first day. So so you can shop local and have a great time tomorrow. We'll put it in the show notes. Heather, thanks so much for coming down. It's good to see you. Our best at Tony. Yeah. Thank you guys always for your support. Absolutely. So Aldine, that's our show. I want to say thank you to Sullivan Petchenbang doing our audio engineering with the band. And we want you to, uh, 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 I just lost my train of thought, Al. It's very unusual for me, but we're going across the hall. <laughs> we're going across the hall. I just want to say thank you to Sully. I really appreciate all the help. And we're looking for volunteers on Friday nights. If you'd like to learn some sound, if you want to help check in guests, you can email radioactive at krcl.org. So back across the hall, Al, to portraits. How you doing, Derek? I'm doing very well. You guys chilling over there? Has it been okay? Yep, chilling hard. Okay, sounds good. The next song that we have on the list is Fade Away. Yes. Any, you want to tell a little bit about it? Sure. Fade Away was, uh, so we just put out an EP like a month ago to the day, I think. Yeah, a month ago today. 
and uh, we put this song out as the first single, so this one came out in like August. Um, and personally, it's my favorite song of ours. Um, so, where can people yeah. find you online? Get all the details about your gigs. Remind people about the gigs again. Yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at portraits.band. And uh, we have two shows coming up right now. We have one on November 29th at the Beehive. It's a uh, benefit show for displaced families of Rose Park. And then we have a show on December 30th, which is the Paper Cut Party Farewell show. Um, and, yeah, you can find us anywhere you listen to music. All right, uh, so you yeah. guys have six minutes. I'm thinking we can get two songs in. So this sure. We're gonna got the one we already talked about and uh, and a bonus one, Al. Do yeah. the honors. This one is fit. This one is fade away, and this is portraits right here, fresh and homegrown on KRCL ninety point nine FM. Yeah, you let me live. Such a problem, 
my hand. I was out for your help. Why you stop talking me? KRCL, Salt Lake City. Utah Community Action is one of the largest nonprofits fighting poverty and its causes in the state. To support or access their programs for adult education, case management and housing, Head Start, heat utility assistance, nutrition, and weatherization for homes, visit utahca.org.